It's Tacky Talk Time. State Representative Tacky Chan of Quincy is joining us this uh, week before Christmas. Tacky, how are you? Hey, Joe. It's uh, good to see you. As uh, those of you that are watching YouTube on, on QA TV will notice that I am in the office the week before Christmas. Yes, but you have your Christmas tie on, one of them, so that's good. Well, I have a fun tie, the Mickey Mouse tie today. So it's, Oh, I thought it was Christmas. Okay. Well, it's officially festive. <laughs> you had a Christmas tie on at the city council meeting the other night. I did. Um, I came to the council meeting too very, very quickly. Uh, I don't want to waste people's time, particularly when the council has much important business to go through. Just to wish uh, Councilor Mahoney, Councilor uh, Phelan, and Councilor Dronico uh, best wishes and uh, thank them for their service in the council as well. Thank you for the council for their hard work this past uh, session. Um, you know, we brought citations for them from the House and the Senate, which we gave the council president, the uh, Bona, to uh, pass out. I didn't see any reason I would have to read them there because uh, every single one of those councilors have heard us read the citations uh, more than a few times. Um, but, you know, it's very important for the state delegation to, you know, recognize the hard work that the municipal officials do. And uh, regardless of the reasons of why they are off the council, uh, they served. And uh, I always remind folks, uh, being an elected official at any level of government, uh, and even people who run for office at any level of government, and it was probably a very small group of people who were chosen by the public uh, to uh, serve them. So you know, I, I think uh, despite what our opinions are about people, I mean, it's very important to recognize the service and, and the delegation you know, thanks them for their work. Yeah, I thought it was really nice. Uh, and, you know, uniquely, I don't know if this is unique to Quincy or not, but the entire delegation lives in Quincy. That is correct. Uh, it's uh, people forget that uh, the speaker, you know, is down at Quincy Point. I'm out of Walston. Uh, Senator Keenan's out of Marymount. And uh, Bruce is out of basically Atlantic. Uh, actually, not quite clear sometimes where those lines are in those neighborhoods up in North Quincy. Uh, I know. I had debates about this with folks, trust me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, the entire Quincy delegation uh, is inside the city of Quincy. Uh, you don't get that everywhere. For example, uh, if I remember correctly, I'm trying to remember some folks that may not be that. I think uh, one example is John Lawn, uh, where Newton is the base of that district. I think he has like one precinct. Um, you had Brian Joyce when he was a senator. I mean, he had precincts in Boston, um, you know, coming out of the Milton area. Um, I'm trying to think of some reps um, that have crossed lines of Boston. Um, I think Jay Livingston used to. I don't think he does anymore. Jay Livingston used to have like slivers of Cambridge in Boston. Yeah. I think that's not the case. I think I think they took the, the Cambridge parts out. Yeah. Um, they consolidated a lot of the Boston reps inside Boston proper. Um, but yeah, generally, if you're in a bigger community, you should have the electeds from your community, unless there's like a sliver situation where like one precinct of your city right. is Right. Yeah, like Quincy, it was Marty Walsh, right? For a 3 3. Oh, yeah, that's right. For a blink of an eye, Marty Walsh was our was our uh, a fourth uh, rep and then became Della Hunt. And I'm sorry, Dan Hunt. Right, right. right. Hunt. Uh, and then, um, you know, last week, this three, we threw him back over the river. That's right. <laughs> so we got it all, all back in the city again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was kind of strange. I was not the junior member for half a second. How did that feel, Jackie? <laughs> hey, hey, I'm still the junior member, no matter what. Uh, You're just a kid, just a child. <laughs> yeah, only seven terms. Still the kid in this gig. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, stable Mabel. <laughs> <laughs>
there's a lot of truth to that. Although it was actually interesting trivia. I was asked the other day about uh, my uh, elected service and I've only served in this position as an elected official. Uh, but actually one of the few that was never elected at the municipal level. Uh, Bruce Ayers was elected as a Wessex counselor prior to being a state rep. Uh, speaker uh, Ron Mariano was a school committee member mm-hmm. for elected state rep. Um, John Keene was obviously on the city council. Yep. Uh, you know, um, Michael uh, Bellotti never served in the council. Mike Morrissey never served in the council. Obviously, I have not served in the council. Neither um, did uh, Lou Sarasoli. Uh, but, you know, Arthur Tobin Sr. You know, was on the council. Uh, Arthur Tobin Jr. was not. Right. Or, uh, Steve Tobin, well, actually, he doesn't like right. Arthur Tobin, but Steve Tobin was the one to counsel um, or school committee. So it's actually pretty interesting when, when someone asked me that question about, you know, there is serve local office. And it turns out actually in the current delegation, I'm the one that has it. Yeah, that's it's interesting. I hadn't thought of that, but since you brought it up, that's true. Absolutely true. Yeah. So you're setting setting history straight, Taggy. <laughs> well, uh, it's interesting perspective. Uh, yeah. Not surprising, a lot of folks up here were once members of the board of selectmen. Sure. Yep. A lot more than city councilors. Uh, just yep. in elections. Um, uh, and you can always tell the difference between uh, different folks that are newly elected, you know, whether or not to serve the municipal government. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, they have a different sense of uh, of how things work. So even, I mean, even today, the lieutenant governor was a mayor. <laughs> Absolutely. And yep. uh, actually, if you look down the line, I mean, it's been a while uh, since we had an elected official uh, be a governor. Uh, and well, we haven't had lieutenant governor serve before, but you know, uh, you know, obviously, Martha, uh, uh, Maura, Maura uh, Healy served as uh, Attorney General uh, uh, Kendra Schools Mayor of Salem. But you look at uh, Charlie Baker uh, served as a member of Board of Selectmen in Swans Copy, remember correctly? Oh, I didn't know that. People forget he was a Board of Selectmen member. Mm-hmm. But the Patrick has never served in elected office. Uh, and neither, uh, and Mitt Romney, was Mitt like a town meeting member or something? I don't know, honestly. Maybe. Maybe I'm trying to remember maybe, that one. Yeah, maybe in Wellesley. I think he lived in Wellesley. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember. I think he may have been like a town meeting member for half a breath. Um, but I mean, you know, the Wall Patrick didn't. But you know, you also had people like Jane Swift and Paul Salucci, but Bill Well did it. So you know, I always find it uh, bad would have some some level of experience going into our level of government um, because you know you learn kind of basic politics at the street level, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's talk about unusual. the popping. What's that? You know, I'm a little unusual because of the nature of how I got. Uh, I was already, I was already part of the building before I got elected. So. You always had to be different, Techie. <laughs> Don't always follow the rules exactly. Uh, what's going to be happening at the state house uh, after the after the new year? Let's talk about the pomp and circumstance. Well, uh, the constitution actually has us on calendar years in the session. Our rules dictate how we operate. Yeah. So there's always a little discrepancy of, of newer members trying to understand how come, you know, we have a closed open session um, on the first Wednesday after the first Monday of every calendar year. Uh, it isn't a swearing in day. It's a uh, requirement to declare that the legislature is open for the new session as well as the executive branch in the new calendar year. So the expectation is that the first Wednesday in January, I believe it's January 3rd. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just need enough folks uh, in the building uh, in an informal session uh, to uh, you know, do the required uh, walk between the branches uh, through special committees uh, to declare the opening and we're ready to work for this calendar year. So okay. 
Again, it's mostly pop and circumstance, very uneventful. Uh, not the same as a swearing-in day, which is much more fun, actually, because uh, you got the families, the newly elected, a lot of bright-eyed, you know, newly elected in their families, you know, all celebrating. And that, and that, in many ways, is really for them. Uh, sure. Yeah. Which is more, not just necessarily sort of opening and electing of a speaker or a president, but it's really celebrating, you know, the new colleagues that have come into the building. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had that last year, right? You already had that. <laughs> Yeah, and the, unfortunately, one class, the twenty-one class, you know, were elected during COVID, so they That's had, right. yeah, yeah, they got they got to come to the chamber to sworn in, but they couldn't bring all their family. Thankfully, those days are hopefully behind us. I hope so too. It's very sad because it's you know where you only get one opportunity to honestly you only get one opportunity uh, to, to do it one to do it the first time. Yeah, yeah, there's only one opportunity. Sad. I'm very sad to hear family members and their friends couldn't be part of the day of celebration of the election. Yeah. Uh, well, we're recording this a couple of days after the big storm, uh, Tacky. <laughs> How did you make out? Oh, uh, I was up at 6 in the morning for the wind and tried to go back to bed. And it was at 6 or 5.30. It was very early. Next thing you know, I had a loud thump on my side of the house and the roof. And uh, clearly something fell onto it. So I had to wait the day, like grab my binoculars in the rain and try to see if there was any roof damage. Thankfully not, but it did find this relatively good-sized branch um, that did fall up and bounce off. But it, it's very disconcerting when you hear that. I'm sure people you know, who've had this happen know, and, you know, from my knowledge, you know, there was quite a bit of storm damage, but I didn't hear anything catastrophic. No, there wasn't, thankfully, in Quincy. Uh, even even some uh, cars got struck because they were moving, but nobody got hurt, uh, thankfully. So all in all, not bad, not bad at all. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, it's not good, but it wasn't catastrophic. And, yeah. yeah. And it seems like, how do, does the state kind of, when, with an incident like this, uh, you know, kind of monitor the utility companies and how they're doing with restoration? How does that regulation work? Well, that's Massachusetts Emergency Management Agency. Okay. MEMA works in coordination with all the utility companies regarding storm cleanup. As part of uh, their filings every year, they have to have storm preparedness with Department of Utilities, which the AG's office participates. I did these as you can hear. Tell participates in the conversation. Generally, there's really very little question. It's mostly rinse and repeat. Mm. Uh, what will happen is that obviously there's a bill associated with all these, uh, all these emergency uh, hires or contractors as far as Canada, um, as well as poll replacement and things that are on the state. It will be wrapped into the next rate um, rate. Uh, request from the utilities and just coincidentally you know, the national grid in our case because we, we're national grid territory you know is going to be filing the rate uh, request soon um, we have a five in the rate program so storm damage that guys rolled into it it's amortized over 10 or 30 years depending on the size of the bill so you're going to see the impact on it probably fractions of a penny yeah, I just wonder how that works. I, I know, I figured there would have to be a cost associated with it somehow. Yeah, it's fronted by the utility company. So utility yeah. company actually front the money. And the ratepayers will reimburse the utility company over the course of perhaps decades, depending right. on the size of the bill. Yeah. No joke. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of a cent, you know, on your utility bill per kilowatt hour. Sometimes yeah. it's thousands of a cent if it's, it's small. So, yeah. you know, you feel it, but it's it's one of those weird things you feel. It's minimal, yeah. Is there any um, requirement on utilities that they have to have some kind of like a resiliency plan to, you know, minimize damage from events like this? Yeah, maintenance plans can be reviewed as part of the larger rate plan. Yeah. 
they sometimes come in for special capital plans. I mean, yep. I've been in the ages obviously for a long time, as you can tell, but that was not uncommon when I was there, uh, that they would come in for capital plan specifically for a rate adjustment, uh, obviously up because they want, you know, repairs have to pay for those uh, capital improvements. Um, and of course, you know, the when I was there, you know, one of my jobs with National Grid was actually, you know, on maintenance. It was like, you know, I need to see a maintenance schedule. I need an idea of how old your stuff was. I need to know how how we inventory is in the stockyards. And we need to know, you know, are you moving moving your um the maintenance centers around the state? We're gonna keep mm-hmm. them in the same location. Um, you know, or do you have your contractors on call? No, obviously, you know, we get to like a super storm sandy situation that came up the East Coast. I mean, it just wrecked a lot of states at one time. Um, yeah. Emergency contractors was very difficult. And the prioritization of emergency contractors is always the same. It doesn't matter what state you're in, is that you serve your state first before you go somewhere else. Right. So when you have a multi state event that affects, let's say, 13 states, you know, emergency contractors always suddenly coming out of like places like, you know, Texas. Right, the Midwest, and yeah, yep. Taking like a three day drive, perhaps, yeah. depending how far you're coming up, and because they don't fly in, they they drive their uh, trucks with equipment, um, and then they bill Massachusetts utilities for their work, and then, right. but then this would be part of the larger rate case regarding those costs. It includes like you know replacing poles, you know wires, mm-hmm. you know, everything involved. Um, and obviously, you know, they also have to prioritize folks that have emergency medical needs, associate medical needs at the home. So if you want emergency medical equipment, you probably likely have a generator, I hope. Right. Uh, and then utilities need to know. So if you have an emergency uh, medical person at home, you definitely should report that to the utility company to let them know that, uh, that you have the situation and to prioritize you uh, as part of power restoration, obviously depending on the safety of the of the situation of the storms that are going on, or there's like a bunch of trees that are uh, down around the area. Um, you know, they try to get to those people first. They cost those are priority locations, system government agencies, you know, public safety is a uh, you know priority situation, um, healthcare centers priority situation. Mm. So you know, utilities do have a pecking order um in terms of what a priority power uh, bring up is. Right, that's the way typically see them wait. Uh, you know, if the individual neighborhood uh, outages come in last, unfortunately, if you have a service down off of one single house or something, it's not going to be a priority. Yeah, and the computer equipment is pretty good. I mean, it's very good at identification of down outage, but it's not precise in the sense it doesn't know exactly you know, your home. That's why it's still very important for folks to actually call the utility mm-hmm. or go online on your phone because they have no the power mm-hmm. on your phone. Uh, to you know, reach out through the National Grid app, you know, or its website to report your down area, uh, so they can they get like a a general uh, like a quadrant type situation. Mm-hmm. A segment their computer systems they identify that there's an outage. Um, it's you know these isolated outages, but they don't know what line is down exactly. Right. So they would have to send a truck down to do a visual inspection to find out where everything is before they even start to work. But you know, it's up to you know customers really to just report this stuff to the utility, mm-hmm. and it actually saves them time to say, "Hey, I got this power line; it's in front of my house at this address." Yep. You know, it, it expedites their inspection. They know exactly where to go. They're not roaming around the neighborhood, you know, you know, hunting for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't assume somebody else called, even if they did. So what? You call too? <laughs> oh, absolutely, you call because uh, they want to hear from you. you no, know, that's right. serious. You want to hear from you. And obviously, you see a down wire, don't go near it. Just just because you don't see sparks doesn't mean it's not live. 
That's right. Yeah, don't assume. Yeah, just assume that they are alive no matter no matter what, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, call for help and uh, let the professionals deal with it. Um, I know you you had a little bit of a discussion uh, regarding the plans for Beth Israel to come to Quincy Center uh, not too long ago. Tacky, can you tell us anything about it? Yeah, I'd have a nice chat with the VP of Human Affairs at Beth Israel. And there isn't too much to say, actually. I mean, they're obviously interested in very coming, they're very interested in coming to Quincy and have plans to do so, but they also want to make sure they're part of the healthcare network in our area. They want to work with the local um, health centers and, and other hospitals in the region. Those who don't know, Milton is a BI hospital, uh, but a very small capacity, and uh, they recognize that. And they know about social hospital and Carney hospital, so they're not here to so-called steal other people's patients, but they want to be part of the integrated network that's on here. And you know, there's a general consensus that radiology in particular, you know, there's plenty of work in the area for it. Um, it's just figuring out how they integrate into the system. So unfortunately, there isn't a lot of news. A lot of it's still in conversation as they're trying to figure out um, in conversation with other folks, you know, where their best role is locally. Uh, but they do definitely see a need uh, for urgent care, uh, a higher trauma level, uh, as well as radiology and most likely some other services as they continue the evaluation before they start to build anything at all. Yeah, would, does this require state approval uh, before it starts? Honestly, I'm not sure. I know DPH licensing is involved because of the nature of a lot of things they're looking to do. I don't think it'd be a great hurdle. Um, obviously, the lion's share, excuse me, the lion's share will be um, you know, dealing with local permitting. Okay. You know, there's a Quincy Center special permitting in terms of what they're allowed to build. Uh, but obviously, you know, there's an interest in the city uh, to work with. You know, Beth Israel, what they would like to see the visual look like. Uh, but there's also a practicality involved. Uh, healthcare is expensive, but the facilities are something they're not gonna just going to build and abandon. Um, they want to make sure it's here, it's going to last. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Stay tuned for that and we'll see what happens. Um, Governor says she's going to uh, ask for another supplemental budget tacky for the uh, sheltering crisis. Yeah, we're not surprised. Uh, you know, the projection for FY twenty five, uh, fiscal year twenty five, is perhaps as high as a billion dollars. Uh, this is a huge uh, problem. The budget's projected to be about fifty six billion dollars, um, and you know, part of that's already been committed to uh, debt service for pensions, the MBTA, and school building assistance programs. So it's not really fifty-five or fifty-six million dollars. Billion dollars is actually short about four billion dollars, depending on. But the final math is particularly school building assistance, which tend to be a bit of a moving target because of the nature of approving new school building assistance um, into uh, for municipalities into it. So school building assistance is always a little bit of a moving target. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what she puts out next. You know, obviously we're not getting this up from the budget until the year turns. Yeah. Uh, we do actually do have another regular bill paying. Uh, the storm removal, for example, <laughs> uh, mm. is probably going to be a new bill pay next year. Uh, if it does snow, and everyone keeps giving me their <laughs> personal predictions about the winter, obviously snow removal costs and other associated costs for other storm damage uh, that the state will have to pay for will come up as part of a bill paying situation in, in March and April before we actually pass uh, the main budget. So she's talking about two different things. One is, you know, additional supplemental funds, which were already approved in November, uh, November uh, which we talked about. Was it November? No, December. 
did those this December we talked about before. And then, you know, whether or not she needs an additional monies, you know, we'll have that conversation probably um early part of next year to get that conversation going. Okay. And I mean, any chance that uh, could get reimbursed from the feds for that? Yeah. Try to get one of the Fed guys on your on your show. We'll see what they say. <laughs> They'll say, we'll try. <laughs> Well, uh, as you all see in Congress, you know, uh, they still can't get their head uh, together on how to um, get any kind of spending program done. And uh, the, it's only about six more weeks away to the next potential Fed shutdown and prior to government. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It sounds like a long time, but in the legislative world, it really isn't. Uh, when you look at their schedule uh, on, on things like uh, the holiday recess, holiday recess doesn't mean that they can't come back. Right. They're scheduled for it. Right. As you saw, the Senate had been uh, put on call for a period into the holiday recess. Chuck Schumer had kept the senators on notice that don't go far uh, and better, better, better to come back as opposed to, you know, sticking to your vacation plans. Yeah. Uh, so you're on vacation somewhere during the holiday, you know, holiday recess and, you know, Chuck Schumer in the Senate goes, hey, you know, you guys better be available. You know, you're going to have to change your plane ticket ready. Yeah, so I mean, they can't even agree on funding for Ukraine and Israel, never mind at home. Well, the hope is that the delegation is able to advocate, you know, maybe, you know, 50 plus billion dollars uh, for states to address this migrant issue. But it's not uniquely Massachusetts. Right. I'm sure uh, other state state uh, states are uh, pushing their delegations for uh, funding. Um you know, again, you know, the governor's office, speaker, and senior president already had their conversation about their um, unhappiness regarding the state delegation on why we can't get assistance with something the federal government created. Uh, I do notice watching the news, I mean, you get more call, uh, more um, news coverage on national news about border security and uh, all this stuff on the Texas border. I mean, a lot of people talk about border crisis up here. Well, to me, a border crisis called Canada because that's where undocumented come from. Well, yeah. if we all remember 9-11, uh, how did they get in through the main border of Canada? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, people tend to forget our largest border is actually Canada, mm -hmm. not Mexico. But, you know, that's a whole other conversation about my how um, certain media elements, as well as how people perceive what undocumented uh, looks like. And, uh, just, you know, you'd be surprised. It looks more like some of the listeners here, here than, than not. Um, uh, it's not as cut as dry as everyone thinks it is. It really is. It's, it's, it's much more involved. So, you know, a lot of listeners, you know, what, what did they say one time? I was say one time to an individual, know about this border crisis issue and this was like the last border crisis not the current border crisis and i go well how do you know that person is undocumented just because of how they look and uh, i got the quizzical look in their face i'm like well you do realize you know 50 years ago uh you know a lot of undocumented were irish mm -hmm. they yes. they look more like you so do you assume they're u.s citizens Right. No, it's absolutely true. Yeah. So, I mean, people have these preconceived notions. I do blame the media for the most part, particularly national media. That, you know, we yes. Distinguish that, Tacky. The national media. <laughs> the national media are reinforcing stereotypes with undocumented person looks like. 
undocumented person is not tied to a race, color, or skin, or religion. It's an undocumented person. Right. Period. End of story. Yeah. Mostly women and children, really. <laughs> well, it is now because of the nature of the crisis. So I kept saying it's a humanitarian crisis you know, uh, because it's it's a situation where people are fleeing from a dangerous situation. Right. I mean, you know, you want to talk about you know, disparity of behavior. You look at the Ukraine situation. I mean, the Polish government is run by a very conservative government right now and anti-immigration. But, you know, when Ukraine came out, it allowed millions of people across the border and set up emergency shelters on the border. But when Syrians try to get up there, they either push them into another EU country or, you know, send them back. Right. And this this is kind of, you know, let's be calling what it is. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, one type is favorable, one type is not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and I tell people racism is around the world, but it's not always looking at the racism that we see in America. It's different everywhere you look if you know too much about one. Yeah. Um, can I ask you a little bit about the the governor uh, sent out a press release not too long ago about the hundred million dollars spread across the cities and towns from the new millionaires tax and Quincy's getting seven hundred eighty three thousand um, dollars. So is that is that free money that the city can use as it sees fit? Do you know? I need to look at the press release. Um, we okay. did put a bunch of money to different trust funds for education and transportation. Obviously, that's oh, yeah. what taxes for. So I'm trying to remember correctly, but if I remember correctly, um, we had dedicated uh, five different pots or so 10 different pots of allocations for millionaires tax. I think one of them is, I think the city's probably, I got to look at the press release. I, mean, I think it's education, but okay. I got to, I got to look at that because well, municipal, um, uh, municipal assistance was actually part of that. It was given, in fact, only can put it in two, two essentially two buckets. Yeah. It's got to be obviously one or the other, but I've not read the press release yet. All right. All right. We'll wait and see on that. But I, I, I think I remember, I think education was one of them. I think transportation infrastructure might have been one as well. Yeah, we did a lot of that as part of Chapter 70. I'm sorry, Chapter yep. 90. I mean, we voted on the bond bill already. We'll give a two-year disbursement to the city of Quincy, which I'm trying to remember the amount, but I think it's about $2 million over two years. Again, That sounds right. I haven't talked about that since this past April. So it's, I know. Again, you're, it's hard to remember this stuff. But yeah, that sounds right, though. But this is in addition to that, right? Yeah, and then we also have a so-called shovel-ready emergency. I'm doing airports, folks. Um, we can't see any. Uh, shovel-ready emergency funding uh, as part of the Chapter 90 for communities that have emergency situations that shovel-ready to go that, you know, they can get some assistance from that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Um, and, it's you know, it sounds like a whole ton of money, but <laughs> um, it took... It took a million dollars just to rebuild Adam Street between Furnacebrook Parkway and East Milton Square. So it's not a whole lot of money. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's it was it. Jim Fassi's reminded me that that's about a, at the time back in like I want to say it's like 2017, 16, it was like a hundred thousand dollars, I think it was like per mile. Wow. So yeah. It, it was a lot, it was a lot of money. So and that was then, yeah. That was then. You factor in the inflationary costs are probably you know almost thirty percent from from seven years ago. Uh, yeah, I mean that's not surprising. Uh, however, you know every dollar helps mm -hmm. uh, to offset the costs, and you know some of the stuff is uh, taxpayer paid for in a different way that's redistributed to the city. Right. Some stuff is bond money that the state picks up on behalf of the city. For example, Chapter ninety money I talked before, as well as school building assistance program. I mentioned that a little earlier. The, the, the state bonds. 
that we are paying back for school grade assistance programs. So for example, Central Middle School, you know, is uh, actually mostly the majority of the money is actually state money on that. Right. Yep, absolutely. Sure. And I know that it's going to be looking for the same thing when they do the quantum school over too. So we're not done yet. We're not done yet. That might be a, a bit of a, well, I know it's still going to be a substantial reimbursement. I don't, yep. Let's be honest. I was going to say maybe a significantly smaller, but I know that's not going to be it. It's going to be still substantial. Yeah. Uh, minimum 40%, minimal. Uh, so again, it's, uh, Treasurer Goldberg and you know school building assistant staff do you know, do comb the, these applications very very mm-hmm. um, and people may remember Tim K when he was the treasurer set the standard on uh, cost controls uh, at one time uh, citizen towns used to get the reimbursement they had budgeted bigger number they figured the reimbursement you know covered the cost and they spent the extra bond money they would have saved you know on other things involving the school and then. One of the towns which are not named decided that, you know, these additions from the original bond budget lets them go back and make more applications. And uh, it got crazy. And, uh, you know, Treasurer Kale, Tim Kale, you know, put the clamps down on that uh, to create some, you know, reasonable cost controls because they think the state's an endless piggy bank. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Otherwise, it's a free for all for sure. Yeah. It is, and it's a very big, substantial part of the state budget, picking up the school building assistance program. I bet, yeah. Uh, seeing as we're talking about money, uh, what's going on with the economy these days? Well, I mean, those of you who, again, as I said last time, those of you who are looking at their 401ks, 403bs, 457s, whatever your you know, pension program is in private investment, time to do a reevaluation. Definitely call your financial advisor. I mean, right now, the markets are hot, and I definitely talk to a financial plan about what the next move is. I highly advise it right now. I talk to a professional. Uh, you know, right now, consumer confidence is, you know, okay. It's mm. not really good. Um, your mortgage rates are in the seven and a half zone. They came down from the eight and a half zone. But that could change in a heartbeat, depending on how things go in, in terms of overconfidence. And got some geopolitics, you know, as we see the news uh Companies are uh, now going to either reconsider or stop transport uh, through the strait, uh, which name is now escape me. <laughs> the, the, the one between Egypt going past Iran, why can't I remember these things? But yeah, I mean, you know, when people are shooting missiles at cargo ships, you know, it's going to disrupt trade. You know, right. when you lose uh, ability to move uh, cargo by ship through the fastest means possible, it also eats more fuel. It's bad for the environment. So it also adds potential future inflationary costs because time is uh, energy in this case and fuel mm-hmm. costs. And uh, you always want the shortest route on shipping. Again, environmentally more sensitive, uh, uh, consumer more sensitive, uh, and you know, it just makes sense. So there may be some inflationary shots coming, but as you all uh, also see, you know, the president's uh, polling is very poor. And uh, one of the big areas is poor, 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 poor polling very poorly is on the economy. Yep. Even though unemployment's low, GDP in the US is about 26 trillion. It's it's almost $5 trillion plus more than China right now. Um, GDP, even though it's projected to slow down next year, is well past 2%. But the uh, price of uh, your wages, all our wages, is not uh, keeping ahead of inflation. And now right. we've reached deflation, and inflation still you know, uh, close to 4%, you know, 3, 3.8, I believe, last time, but core inflation at 4%. Uh, 
uh, you know, the wages growth is now at 0.2 uh, year over year at the same time. So, you know, we, people feel the pinch, mm-hmm. very economic prosperous on paper, but, you know, on a mainstream level, um, you know, your wages are not keeping inflation. Also, your interest rates are not. Your bank interest we talked about is terrible, but right. money market or CD or treasury bonds, you know, passive incomes that are relatively safe, uh, FDI insured in most cases, uh, or in the case of treasuries backed by the U.S. government, um, you, know, the, the, you know, it's either just barely keeping up inflation and, can, and people aren't, aren't happy. Right. Gas could drop below $3 dollars a gallon is still not happy uh, because the fact that, you know, everyone is feeling the pinch hard right now. And it's going to be hard for people to buy new cars. You know, still, I know housing prices have gone down nationally, but it's still 7.5% interest rate. You know, when we're only we're enjoying a happy three and a half two years ago, right? I so, just said that everybody's still living in 2019 and it's it's just gone. <laughs> yeah, noble politics tells you that when the economy is strong and people are jobs, unemployment is rose, low, it's a sure in for the incumbent president. That may not be the case again, um, you know, pending some kind of crisis. Uh, so, I mean... It, it's it's going to be a strong end to the year. Uh, I do expect you know GDP growth to be abnormally high in twenty twenty four. At the same time, you know I wouldn't expect tax revenues to be all that great uh, because unemployment is going to have is going to go up. It's it's, it's just going to happen um, because the cost you're facing at home is the same cost all businesses are facing too. And uh, do I think it's going to be a massive recession? Maybe not. It's it's probably this weird up and down thing where it feels like a recession, but not a recession. Yeah. And it's one of those things where you can't use GDP as your sole gauge because you're supposed to have like two negative GDP quarters in a row to declare a recession, but it's actually mm-hmm. not declared by just doing that. You have actually have an economic council that determines that. You have to try to project beyond the two quarters. So it, again, I think 2024 is going to be very roughly the uh, first half of the year as, as everyone's trying to get their footing down and, I expect consumer spending, I won't say it's, it's going to stop, but I think uh, you're going to find, again, that we saw a lot of uh, early last year, uh, people are going to be much pickier about where they put the money. Yeah. yeah, I was reading an article this morning. The average new car payment now is $1,000 a month. It's, I mean, you can't sustain that for forever. No, completely unsustainable. Um, and we live in a high-rent environment. So that doesn't help, you know, folks too saving for you know the seven and a half percent mortgage for the home, which again, short we have a shortage. So unlike other parts of the country, uh, you know, home prices will be stable. It won't be a mass. You won't see a massive inflation. Right, right, right. Um, can we talk a little bit about this new um, MBTA overlay district, um, Tacky, that cities and towns are grappling with? I know Quincy's just passed it there, so they're going to be in compliance. Um, but is it for every city in town? Yes. It is? Okay. <laughs> As you can tell, I've got to like, yeah, uh, it's like the assessments, you know, your MBTA community, and they play, you know, they pay a, basically a, a, you know, assessment to MBTA for services. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be a comprehensive plan and, you know, communities dealing with the MBTA. So, yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. Okay, <laughs> I'm, do you think it's fair? 
Um, yeah, that's actually a good question because usage is really a, a question, right? So MBTA communities are not just the communities where the MBTA actually is physically in. It's actually adjacent communities where people come in to you into your community, use commuter rail, buses, uh, you know, subway, uh, ferry services. They're not always in your community. So you know that includes you know this like Milton, for example, pays money to the MBTA because you know they come into Wallace Station, they come into North Lindsay Station, right? You know, people, you know, Weymouth and the areas around Braintree, Holbrook, you know, all those towns that are directly adjacent, you know, pay an amount. And don't ask me how the formula works. You can ask somebody that works for the MBTA or, you know, it's a little beyond me. But, you know, I mean, you're supposed to you know, kind of, you know, all contribute to the fact that, you know, your your uh, you know, your uh, residents are part of the MBTA customer service and right. by the communities that you know, use the system. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about this um, the multifamily housing overlay district that that the the oh, okay. yeah sorry not assessments yeah smart not assessments. smart growth smart growth that's it TOD transit oriented development is that it yeah yeah we're using a term from Deval Patrick we're going back in time again but when old is new or when new is old right right yeah. and the idea of course is that you want to put more people near mass transit reduces you know car usage and try to create affordability for people oh yeah so it's it's really that simple uh you know it's really about implementation you know of a municipal plan uh communities that aren't you know aren't part of mbta community you, I mean, you have to drive the notes into to the walls the station right so they won't be subject to the same thing uh, in terms of, of that type of overlay because they don't actually have uh, direct smart movability of a walkable mm -hmm. walkable public transit. So it's a good thing, but you know, all MBTA, anybody with an MBTA station, you know, that's that's in their area is going to need to have some form of, you know, housing plan as part of DOT initiatives. And I remember correctly, there's some grant monies that go with this stuff. Yes, yep. Whether it can get built, I don't know. Again, okay. we discussed minutes ago about interest rates so yeah yeah so i know some of the city councilors are griping about you know uh the state's not taking into account that the city of quincy's new housing that's already been developed around t stations but just it didn't have that district yeah i get it i mean you look at places like the abbey that's been going off quincy you look at all the development in quincy center you know, you know, is it considered well? Abbey should be obvious because it's right next to it, but it comes back to affordability, right? And and you know, what once was a time when I was much younger. You know, nobody wanted to live that close to the T. Mm -hmm. Noise, foot traffic, you know, inconvenience of dealing with a lot of people in your neighborhood. People didn't want to get that close to the T. Nowadays, you know, people the government is promoting. Um, people live as close to possible. The Abbey's example, you can't get any closer uh, to, the, to the MBTA um, on housing for a number of different policy reasons we just talked about. Right. So I kind of get it. But, you know, yeah, I agree with the counselors. They really should have accounted for what's going on currently because if you all know, I mean, everybody that lives in Quincy knows this limited development, limited developable land near Quincy T stations. There really is almost no way to do it. I mean, Wallace Station, so residential homes uphill, that leaves you trying to develop the you know, CVS lot. We know that Newcomb Farms is still in conversations about what's going to develop there. 
you devote the actual walls to station line. I mean, it's not like you have a lot of choices. And, uh, you know, you got nothing at Quincy Adams. I mean, it's all industrial around there. So uh, you already built that out. And then the T controls the old Lowe's lot. So that's not an option. And then, you know, you got Quincy Center of all development or apartment buildings and anything directly adjacent to Quincy T. Again, Bergen Parkway is all residential homes. You already built several apartments, you know, at President's uh, Place as well as, you know, right on Hancock Street. And you got new development in Quincy Center. Uh, that leaves you a very little developable land outside of the T lane itself. So, no, the council's right. I mean, it it, it doesn't make sense in in terms of the uh, bigger picture because you need some place you can develop. Another dense urban area is going to run across the same problem. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. Yep. We can only. Uh, I mean, we have the ocean next to us. <laughs> kind of limited going east. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's always a chance to get redistributing into Quincy Bay proper. <laughs> <laughs> floating, <laughs> floating community. <laughs> well, I mean, if you represent Ward Seven, you know you really have a problem, Quincy. That's right. <laughs> you get the, the house. Yeah, the houseboat community. <laughs> yeah, so for joke for people listening who are not from Quincy, you know, you're not from the city for some reason, you stumble onto this podcast. But there's only six wards in Quincy, so if you are representing Ward Seven, I'm an old friend that likes this joke. You know, clearly you got special problems as elected official. <laughs> yes. You're you're a you're a really good fisherman. <laughs> uh, what's uh the the uh, Chan plan for the holidays? Not much. I mean, we're gonna have dinner at my house on, on Christmas Day. I'm in charge of cooking, so starting tomorrow, I got to get to get groceries and start doing prep again. Um, and then you know, it's a quiet New Year. There'll be another uh, massive Zoom meeting the my mom's side of the family's doing it and they're looking to expand uh, the size of the zoom call so you know a ton of even more small boxes on our zoom call at a global level and now we're having issues coordinating the time because it's a global phone call between you know, hong kong china canada us here in boston so you know there was also some technology challenges i found on the whatsapp yeah. you know, some <laughs> significantly older family members um, have limited computer access but want to participate. So, yeah, there the, the the wheels are already in motion. Of various family members trying to get you know all the family members on my mom's side of the family as much as possible. Also, this could be a, a two hour. I think it was ten p.m. start in East Coast. So uh, it's it's going to be one of those uh, long nights as everyone's trying to figure out how to use their various devices. So that, that's yeah. actually going to be an exciting part of that, even though. I'm unlikely to involve myself in a lot of the conversation, but it's good to see what people look like. Um, again, technology today gives you the ability to you know, get caught up on, on seeing where they are, hear what they got to say, but also get, actually, you know, see them in current time. Mm, I know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, hopefully it'll work out. Uh, maybe you can pre-record a couple if you have to and play them back. I'm not going back to 2020 and 2021 constantly re, re, uh, recording myself for messages, although it may get me out of Dodge. <laughs> Can you be able to get some sleep? <laughs> Here's my 30 second message for the family. We'll play that. I've done more recordings uh, at home with, on my phone, as you know, uh, during 2020, 2021. I don't want to go back because I'm doing like an hour solid trying to get these uh, messages correct for, for various, you know, video based. Uh, uh, celebrations and just like, yeah, it's like the lighting's wrong, the camera tilted over, and just I know the cat walks by or something. I know. <laughs> yeah, you sneeze in the middle. I mean, it's 
<laughs> and then you look at yourself recording and you're like, God, you look terrible. Oh, yeah, there's that too. Yeah, that was a revelation to a lot of people, I think. <laughs> and you all know from listening to me, I do stumble my words every so often. I get ahead of myself. So my words sometimes are ahead of what I'm thinking. But that happens on those recordings, even for like 30 second greetings. So now, as I recall, you cooked for Thanksgiving too. So you're the head, you were the head chef, I guess. <laughs> I am the head chef. So, but it's fun. I, I don't mind doing it again. And those who know, I like to call it the problem is that it's time. Like everyone else, it's time. And you're going to do something fun and fancy. And it takes more time. Mm, yeah. I can do the one pot quick and dirty and ugly in 30 minutes or less, but. No, save those for weekday meals. <laughs> exactly. Midday meals. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, even like a family celebration, you want to do it right. And uh, for example, eggnog, eggnog was requested. It's not too hard, but you got the whole temperature thing going. So there'll be mm. some. Yeah, you don't want to curdle it. <laughs> uh, exactly. So it'd be some, you know, try to figure out, you know, how to do this properly uh, on, um, you know, getting the temperatures right for the eggs and milk. Yeah. yeah, no, again, it's it's just time and I'm happy to do it. It's just making time to get it done. And this week's actually a busy week. I got a slate of meetings after this today. I got dinner, a meeting to, uh, tonight, um, tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to be in person with Mark. Uh, we like to make fun of Mark every so often on the show with, you maybe I'll do that to you and Mark show. That's but, okay. Uh, I can I can take it. <laughs> so you know have that tomorrow, Mark, uh, and then uh, Friday I'm having lunch with the uh, Taipei Economic Development Office, uh, which you know uh, uh, Taipei Economic and Cultural Office, which is you know the Taiwanese government. They want to have lunch, so you know I'm gonna you know head out again on Friday for uh, another business lunch and talk about you know what's going on in their part of the world. They have an election coming up. So there's going to be a lot of interesting conversation there, as well as you know how to see the geopolitics and you know what's going on with them in the state as well, and we mm. get get to the to Christmas uh, weekend. And um, so yeah, I got as you can hear, I got a few things going on uh, before the uh, uh, before the holiday, uh, beyond you know, trying to find you know, the various things I need for the for the dinner for the family. And like I said, they're putting in requests, so I actually have to like get their stuff. Specific things, yeah. <laughs> Specific things. So I got a, a bit of shopping trapped in the midst of everything I'm doing. And what was I? I was in Westboro this past Sunday um, on the way back from the rainstorm. Um, you know, the, the, the Representative Kate Donahue's uh, Democratic State Committee Party, uh, City Committee Party. You know, I met some other colleagues and folks and shared some stories and wisdom. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, we had our... Um, yeah, in office official status Christmas party here, but the, the chairs host uh, around the different offices. That was on Monday. That's actually today's Wednesday. There's another series of uh, chairmen in the house and leadership people hosting parties today as well. So beyond just you know taking, I actually have like three more meetings I think after this. Um, but you know, there's also these you know in office expectations, you know of different offices to host, you know, it doesn't have to be crazy parties, but, you know, host, you know, celebrations, you know, in their party offices. And then, you know, it gives a chance for staff and legislators to roam the building to meet other uh, staffers and legislators as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's actually part of the job because, you know, you got to know who you're working with. You know, kids actually meeting you. Yeah. I am uh, off next week for the holidays, Tacky. So I'll ask you: Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Well, every time I try to make a prediction, I end up wrong. So let's 
not Ristat. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm in a business. It doesn't uh, happen until it actually happens. And the many times I think I know what's going to happen, it doesn't work out the way I think it will because my, uh, uh, just because it's, you know, what is it? Uh, uh, past performance doesn't guarantee future returns. Okay. <laughs> so no resolutions. <laughs> no, no. We, we try to avoid those. Uh, now, obviously, you know, as I kind of joke around earlier, I mean, do more of the maintenance stuff this month. I mean, um, I finally got my physical. Those who try to get doctor's appointments, you know, through HMO. I mean, I finally got the physical uh, set up for January 8th. I know that's too much information, but it's actually also the mayor's day of, uh, in the council swearing in day. So regretfully, I'm not going to make it because just getting the doctor's appointment is, is time consuming. But um, yeah, I got some, you know, Dentist, doctor, our maintenance is done. I got to get an inspection sticker. So, forth and so forth, like everybody else. And this is just the slowest period I'm going to get, uh, probably including probably the first two weeks of January before things really ramp up over here. Mm -hmm. so, not just a holiday thing for me in December. I mean, in my case, you know, I like to get all these other so called maintenance issues out of the way as I dash around just you know, getting it done. Um, and uh, once we get to uh, late January, I think the speed picks up in the building much faster. Um, again, this is a weird place. It doesn't move at a steady pace. Um, and making a resolution in a place like this, well, I've been wrong a lot, folks, about uh, many things. So let's, okay. not, uh, let's not create my own failures. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, how do we get a hold of you, Jackie? 617 617-722-2370. 722-2370 is our uh, phone number. We are still staffed for the holidays, just in case you're wearing T-A-C-K-E-Y.C-H-A-N and mahouse.gov is the email. Uh, we do have the mahlegislature.gov website uh, for those who want to track bills and check it out. State Rooms of Tacky Chan Facebook page as well as at Tacky Chan and X. Um, obviously, QA TV uh, and your favorite podcast channel. Check it out, Joe. And, uh, you know, because it's good local news, uh, you get those you know, 10 minute or less sound bites. And tomorrow, you know, I'll be with Mark Crosby on State View, which we actually broadcasted um, actually over the state. That one actually have to look even better for Mark. I'm just telling you. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> You'll put on a suit and tie. <laughs> yeah, I got a suit and tie now. But I mean, you know, I got I to gotta, like fix my hair and be fancy for Mark tomorrow. <laughs> Well, maybe I'll see you when you come in. <laughs> I want to uh, wish you and your family and your staff a very, very healthy, happy holiday season. Thank you, Joe, you and your family. And you know, obviously, I'm at QA TV and all of you listening. You know, please have a happy, happy, uh, safe uh, Christmas and a happy new year. And you know, I wish you all well. <laughs>